Joe, what happens to a frog's car when he parks illegally? What? He gets towed. He, 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 he gets towed. Oh, oh towed. Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, see, that, that wasn't a connection issue. That was, uh, that was literally me not getting the joke for five seconds. That's, that's good. Uh, uh, how do crazy people get through the forest? How do crazy... They take the psychopath. <laughs> they, take, they take the psychopath because, because they're crazy. All right, Jock, we're going to start the I podcast in five seconds. Four, three, two... <laughs> Hey, this is Jacques. Live from L.A., and this is Joe from Boston, Massachusetts. We're coming coast to and, coast. Uh, uh, and uh, welcome-ish, welcome-ish to Carnival Personnel. Joe, it's been way too long. You must really miss me. Jacques, it's been way too long, and I must really miss you. I don't know if you uh, can hear me or... <laughs> I can hear you. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I can... I can I, I... Oh, we're off to a roar! It's starting now. Oh boy, look at us talking and talking over each other. And oh man, I don't know how George Stephanopoulos does it with those heads of state on ABC News from you know those live via satellite uh, interviews. But um, they must have a, a higher budget than Carnival personnel because <laughs> we tried everything. The reason why Jacques sounds like he's uh, transmitting from the inside of a like a storage facility that's been hollowed out down to the studs and is a mile and a half below the Earth's surface. It's because he doesn't have a USB microphone that works on his laptop and he's communicating in via Skype. So there's already a two-second delay and his voice sounds tinny. And then you may also hear my voice being echoed back at some point, um, which is a bonus for you guys, I say. You know, two of me is worth... You know, one of Jacques, I, I think, which actually devalues me. Anyway. Well, what in the bush? Two, two, two Joes in the hand is worth one in the bush. Yeah, uh, I would never wish two Joes in anybody's hand. <laughs> so it's been, it's, been, it's been three. We've missed two podcasts. So this would be the third week by the time uh, this is dropping. Yep. I think maybe four. No, it's th- three weeks. We, 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 I'm we trying to. Two weeks. Trying to think when I left. I, I don't remember what day I left because it's been a blur. And I was just trying to figure that out before I called you. What day? So management's birthday was on the 23rd. So I think I left on like the 27th, something like that. So we would have missed one, two. Three yeah, strikes so are out weeks. at the old ball game. <laughs> Um, Who cares about so, our schedule? We it, it, in in the, in the podcast universe, this is all instantaneous. When people are listening to the archives twenty years from now, and they're just correct. you know they're binging this podcast from uh, the whatever internal microphone that they have in their ear that Apple implants in all babies thirty years from now. <laughs> it won't matter. It's all the same. It's all one. So we'll get right to the big news. You have seen a superhero movie before I did. It's crazy, you know. You th- that's what happens when, when you leave the state. That's what hap- That's what happens when you travel at all. Like that's why I have any. I don't even go to New Hampshire. That's why I don't want to miss any superhero <laughs> movies that I want to see. I mean, I've missed many superhero movies, Batman v Superman, but there are certain ones that I will not miss, and that's Spider Man. And I, 
I uh, I enjoyed Spider-Man Far From Home, and I can't wait to spoil it for Jacques. So it turns out the bad guy. So you said it's your first. You said your second, but then you remembered Into the Spider Verse. So I think you ranked this as your third favorite Spider-Man ever movie. Yeah, I would say, and I have to rewatch Spider-Man Two again, but I I'm pretty sure I really enjoyed Spider-Man Two. Um, but Into the Spider Verse, I almost forgot. You know, which is blasphemy because it's the literally, I think, the only Oscar-winning Spider-Man. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there was some technical Oscars awarded to previous Spider-Man movies, but Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which is now streaming on Netflix, is probably my favorite Spider-Man movie of all time. But as far as live action goes, Spider-Man Two is a little bit better than Spider-Man Far From Home. But I think Far From Home is an, you know, an improvement from uh, homecoming it's it's uh you know i won't spoil anything for you but um they're not in new york <laughs> uh, yeah no i i i liked spider verse i know you know and, and you know of course i'm mostly upset because spider-man can't be black obviously uh, just like mermaids can't be black uh, which i don't know how much of that you've been following but it's um it's just awesome. It's just, and a couple of years ago, sidebarring a little bit, uh, Edis Elba was rumored to be ta- in talks with taking over James Bond. And can you imagine the shit people would lose if there was a black James Bond? I don't know if the rest of the world is racist, but anyways, yeah, I like Spider-Verse. I didn't love it as much as, as I, I think I wanted to, because like people like you and the boys really, really loved it. I liked it. And I love Ryan Reynolds, so uh, – but, yeah, I mean, I, I – I, but this Spider-Man – I think this current Spider-Man is my favorite version of Spider-Man. I, I like this kid an absolute lot. I mean, I think, you know, the right age. And I like the other ones. I mean, I don't own them, so obviously I didn't love them enough to when I got the Apple TV to – backdate and buy the six that were already out there and there's probably a package now that you can probably get them for like probably like a hundred bucks for all six or something like that and if that happens i get them i didn't i liked them all no i didn't uh episode three with andy gar uh garfield did you ever see that one it was almost like a bollywood spider-man uh, the the Andrew Garfield uh, Spider Amazing Spider Man movies I have not seen, but there, I thought there were only there's only two Amazing Spider Man movies. Then 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 I'm thinking the Tobey Maguire one, like the third. There was one of them that had the third installment. It was Bollywood. There was three elongated dance numbers in it that just kind of. Eh. That uh, Spider-Man 3 with Tobey Maguire and um, Topher Grace as Venom. Is that what you're thinking of? It might have been, you know, uh, but the new guy like loved, loved, loved it in game, loved in Civil War, loved in Infinity War. And I really lo- I, I really liked Homecoming. I really, really liked Homecoming a lot. So I'm looking forward to seeing this. But no, we haven't seen it yet. But it is. It's stunning that you've seen a superhero movie before me and loved it. My main motivation to see Spider-Man Far From Home in the theaters 
not only to experience the glory on the big screen, but to get into an air-conditioned room on the weekend because my house does not have air conditioning because I live in the 1920s. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go wax and curl my mustache. <laughs> the, the bob and tube wiring uh, doesn't, doesn't allow for it, probably. No, it does not. So I'm in L.A., and there's a great Disney-owned theater out here called the El Capitan. And they really, it's an old theater that they took over maybe 20 years ago. But it is. It's an old Hollywood, beautiful theater, balcony. And uh, it's the best place to see Disney movies. And uh, I'm going to start off talking about, spoiler free, talking about Toy Story 4. But let me put this right out there. And I was going to tweet this last night, but I didn't get a chance. Uh, trying to think the right word, to, the right way to save this, collect my thoughts. I want to be crystal clear. Um, fuck you, Pixar. Fuck you very, very much. They make you cry twice before the opening credits. What the like, hell? Times. Like, you know, I didn't drive across country to spend the whole fucking vacation crying, which I have done. Um, which we'll get into later, but I did, and I knew it. I knew going in. It's like, okay, these sons of bitches pull tears out of my face like nobody's business, and I was expecting something, but I truly wasn't. Yeah, I kind of was. Uh, twice before the opening credits, just twice before the opening credits. It's, it's, uh, it's like when Attila the Hunt saw his mother. Niagara Falls. So, uh, but it, it was great, and it was great. It's a great, and I was worried because you know sometimes, as we've talked about a thousand times, franchises try to go to the well too much, and it just doesn't work out. Sometimes, but not this times. Right. Well, you know, this is why I'm so glad the Superman franchise with with Christopher Reeve stopped at three. And why the only main two Godfathers? Um, Wait, but I was did, worried that the so fourth one. Are you saying that Spider-Man Four blipped out of your universe? Because in my universe, <laughs> it's 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 uh it's great. It, it it's really it's a different story. It's it, it's it's great. I I'm I'm very looking forward to to being able to talk about it when I get back because the spoiler. Uh, uh, well, what's the word that I'm looking for? Memorandum um, or moratorium? Yeah, moratorium. Moratorium will have been lifted. Okay, will have been lifted. It's funny because we were at Harry Potter at, at Universal, I'll get into, and our friend Renetsky, friend of the podcast, Ellen was talking about something. Oh, there was this character, and it was really sad when they died. And she's like, I haven't seen it. Don't spoil it. And it's like, you know, I think we're past the dick that you can talk about Darth Vader being Luke's father. I think we're all good there, you know. Um, but yeah, but we, we we both saw movies. I, I highly recommend um, if you got some water weight to lose and you want to go see your know, Toy Story four, it will take care of it for you. Uh, Keanu Reeves is great. Do they have um, hand, do they hand out at the movie theater? Toy Story 4 branded Kleenex boxes because I think they're missing something if they do not. Uh, the wife actually brought Kleenexes and as it starts, she just hands me some. <laughs> uh, it was, but but I, I don't know because I don't watch that many commercials. Um, how much do they give away with Keanu Reeves' character in it? 
from the trailers and the commercials, it's just he's Duke Kaboom, Canada's most daring. What do you call it? The stuntman? You know, the, the, not too much. They Really, there's no origin, although I did see an Easter egg thing online where Duke Kaboom can be seen in The Incredibles 2 as one of the action figures being held or in Jack-Jack's playpen. And that's from the 60s. Uh, I saw that. Yeah, that was great. That was, that was great. Yeah, no, there's a catchphrase that he has that I, I don't want to give away. So if they didn't show in the commercial, I'm not going to. I don't think they did that, no. Um, yeah. So maybe, I guess they're, they're wise in their marketing to not give away everything or even like the most juicy of tidbits in their commercials. So, yeah, don't say it here. Uh, leave it for me to spoil next week when I see Toy Story 4 this weekend. <laughs> so speaking of Far From Home, as oh. I am, uh, so I'll, I'll, bring, I'll bring a little uh, little update on the trip. Because you, you and I haven't even, have barely even spoken, which is weird because usually I call you on the way home from the podcast after talking for four hours. And the connection sounds just about as good as this connection, so... You know, this is actually very nostalgic Uh-oh. for me. Anyways, go on. How was your trip to the um, the City of Lights, as I like to call it, because I couldn't think of a nickname for Los Angeles. Uh, we, most people, most people, most people go with the City of Angels. Oh yes, uh, I believe Paris is Paris is the City of Lights, um, and people, but people do not. Have you ever heard anybody? From Boston, refer to Boston as Beantown, and, and not in a mocking way? No, nobody in Boston refers to Boston as Beantown. Yeah, no, 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 never. I don't think I've, I don't think we even sell beans anymore. That's how outdated that <laughs> reference is. So the trip out was great. I, I want to do a whole sideshow about, I, I'll do a sideshow about the trip out and do a sideshow about the trip back. And we can contrast and compare our, you know, our trips when we, when we made the, a similar journey, you know, um, it's great. But just focusing on being here, I think I told you a little bit, I, I at least texted a bunch of people. So we got here on July 2nd. And we went to Six Flags on July 3rd with friend from the podcast, Renetsky. And we also went, yeah, we went on the 3rd. And the craziest thing, we got into the park. I'm trying to think when we got into the park. But we got into the park. And, yeah, on Wednesday, on Tuesday and Wednesday, July 1st and 2nd, we went to Universal. I'm sorry, we went to Six Flags here. Um, I'm, I'm trying to get the date straight, but it was a Wednesday. Yeah, the second day we went. Sorry for babbling. There was a promotion where we could get into the park an hour early. So we got to the park crazy early. We got in. The boys are on the second ride, maybe the third ride in the morning, and there's no lines. You're walking right onto the rides. And we get to a big roller coaster. You know, a cart just pulls away as we're getting in line. They get on the next cart. It pulls away. The third car pulls in and people, it's not a full cart, but they're, you know, keep the keep the trains moving, as they say in Germany during the war, getting people out of Schwitz. The trains get run on time. <laughs> Thanks for driving that part home. When you, I, I didn't know where you were going until you said Auschwitz. And I go, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but so they, uh, 
for first Nazi reference podcast. So so there's the, the the cards are going. It's a big roller coaster. It's like a two minute roller coaster, and all of a sudden the whole platform is rocking and a rolling, you know, shaking and a jiving, grooving and a moving. And I don't think anything of it. I don't think anything of it because there's three different you know roller coaster carts out on the track, you know, with you know, and so car one comes in. Everybody gets off, but they don't open the gates to fill it up with the next people. And now the line's not big, but there's enough people to fill it, obviously. And they send that empty cart down the track. The second car comes in, and they empty that out, and they send that car down the track. And again, they don't let people fill it. And then the third car comes in, and the boys are on that one. And they have to exit on the other side, and the gate won't open. I'm like, can you open the gate so I can, you know, cut across you know the 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 car to get to the other side where they are and they're like no it's it's locked it's on lockdown and i'm like on lockdown and this girl says yeah we can't open this gate right now and so i'm like well how do i get to the boys you're like you have to basically salmon upstream and go back the other way and now it's 15 minutes later so it's a, there's a good crowd wait no it's not middle of the day crowd yet but there's it's starting to fill up. And so it takes me a while to get to the boys. And just as I get to them, the park makes the announcement that there was just an earthquake. But by the time I got to the boys, maybe four or five people had called me asking me if everything's all right. And so it's not close to an exaggeration. The boys were on a moving car on a roller coaster at Six Flags Magic Mountain when the 6.4 coaster hit. Um, yeah, I just also want to reiterate that I was not one of those four people that called you while the earthquake was happening to see if you are all right. Uh, I know in the heart you were, you were thinking of it, but so, uh, so management is, management is, yeah, no, that was, I'm sorry, that was, it was Wednesday and Thursday we went. She was on her way to the airport at Logan in Boston to fly out there. She's like, you have to leave the park. And I'm like, but the park's kind of empty. We got in an hour early. I'm going to keep doing rides when they open. Plus, this might scare some other people off, you know. <laughs> Stop being a snowflake. <laughs> uh, but we did. We, 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 we stayed the whole day. And then so that was a 6.4. So management gets here on that night, on the 4th that night. So that's, that's that night. So that's a Wednesday. She's there Thursday. We, we put around, do some stuff. Or she gets there on Thursday. She gets there Thursday night. On Friday, her first full night there. It's before I go to hockey. It's about seven, seven thirty L.A. time, maybe six thirty-seven. We're at Renetsky's house. She's at work. The little guy is by me, and or they're by the boys are at the table, and the whole house starts shaking. I mean, really shaking. And both Ellen and I calmly. You know, just walk under the arches and we're like, come on over here with me. The little guy comes to one side of the room with me, smartly bringing his ice cream bowl with him. <laughs> you know, he doesn't know why we're calling him over. The oldest one goes by his mom because uh, of two reasons. It was closer and and she hasn't cut the court with him yet. So it's a little easier for her to just reel him in. <laughs> And, and I put my arm around him and they're like, what's going on? And it's everything, 
in me not to be Red Foreman and say, you notice how the lamps and everything in the chandelier is hitting the side of the roof, you dumbass, and things are falling off a shelf? It's called an earthquake. I would have just um, been re- whole but, Red Fox and just say, this is the big one, Elizabeth. Like, why? You know, you could have really been played it up. I, yeah. But you're the funny, quick one. And um, and so, yeah, it was it was a very, I was going to say a long one. I just did. Uh, but I'll go with it was a very sustained earthquake. It lasted about 40 seconds. And it was much bigger. I'm not getting into explaining the whole Richter scale. But when you see something go from a 6.4 to a 6.5, it's like almost a doubling effect. It's not like turning the volume up on your stereo from 6.4 to 6.5 and it goes up a little. And so this one was about a seven, a seven four. It was it was pretty big. So to recap, we were in town two days. The boys were on an earthquake while on a roller coaster. Management was not in Los Angeles for a full twenty four hours, and she got to experience the biggest earthquake they've had here since the Northridge quake the year before I moved out. There wasn't a lot of damage where. We are, but literally a couple things falling off the counter and the chandelier going back and forth pretty uh, pretty dramatically. And it's like, well, we can check that off the box of boys getting to experience different things. Uh, and th- so that that was their first one because, you know, funny how they didn't notice that there was an earthquake going 80 miles an hour on a loop. <laughs> they didn't feel that. Uh, so and then. Last, the other day, we were driving to have lunch yesterday, and management is driving down the 101, or down the 405, which I'm quite sure you missed the traffic in the 405, and she's like, well, something's going on over there, and I see three helicopters, and she's like, no, four, and and then she points out what looked like a, not a, not a drone you get at, um, uh, I won't say, I almost almost at Radio Shack, but, but you know, a, a, like a bigger, a bigger drone. And so instantly turn off, you know, K-Rock and put on like the local news station. And sure enough, we were sharing the freeway with a high speed chase about five miles, you know, off to the west of us. It's like, and you were here in, in your time here. Did you go a week without turning on the TV and seeing a high speed chase? Uh, no, I mean, I thought it was part of like the morning, you know, mashup or, you know, you know, <laughs> breakfast with car chases, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. It was that frequent. I thought they were, you, know, are you sure they weren't reenacting like the 25th anniversary of the OJ car chase? Go juice, go. Uh, go juice. Not, and, I just want to reiterate, the connection's poor. He said, go juice. <laughs> It, it is L.A., so I could, you know, and where I am anti-Semitic, oh, no, I, I thought you, you wanted to make that. Yeah, I thought you were, you know, chanting something from a MAGA rally just recently. You know, I just want to make sure that we get the air clear. So go on with Jews the car chase. Us, but said. literally, what could be more L.A. than than on our way to a Disney movie, the El Capitan, and being delayed by a car chase on the highway right after experiencing two uh, two earthquakes as a family. So that's that's been the highlight of the trip um, so far. Well, great. Over. What, so <laughs> what are the lowlights of the trip? Or do we want to keep talking trip? Because, I mean, you have, on this rundown, we haven't even gotten to trip update. This is the speaking from far okay. from home area. Now we're going to get to trip update. And, you know... 
we're already about 20 or so minutes into the podcast. But, you know, as long as it's all trip, I don't mind. Um, it actually just, you know, takes precious time away from the kids in cages stories. <laughs> uh, which I got, I got, remind me of the kids in cages when I talk about F&A hockey. But we, um, I, I, you know, I'll skip the, the actual driving of the stories and the fun stuff. And we'll do a sideshow on, on just the drive. But I will say we, Monday and Tuesday, went to Disneyland. Spent Monday at Disneyland, spent Tuesday at California Adventure. And as always, we got we we stayed at a hotel down there so we could get up at five thirty and be in the parking lot. The parking lot opens at seven, so we were we were the first car, but we were one of the first two or three cars in the parking lot. And we were at the gates, and they let you in early, a half hour early. You get to go down Main Street of Disneyland, and then it's roped off at a certain area where the rides start. But you can be in the park a half hour early, but you can't actually walk to the rides. Uh, that, that, that was 7.30 because it opened at 8. And they, when they open it, there's a team of cast members, they call them, so you can't run past them. So there's no stampede. You know, They walk briskly. It's great to see like 300 people, you know, speed walking you know to you know to a ride and it's just and, and it's funny watching people try to take shortcuts and weave around this and weave around that they know this secret path over there and they wind up at the same place that you are uh, but but we know it, you know it's like I tell people all the time it's like look get there early and go right to the biggest ride because you'll get right on, and by the time you get off that ride in that 15-minute window, it's now an hour away. So just get there early. It may, So we did that. You know, management posted it. You saw it. We have not talked about it in person yet. Joe, I cried. Like, I, I didn't cry like, you know, a baby with a spit diaper. But as I'm walking up and I see the Falcon, it, it is. It's truly Niagara Falls. And the boys are trying to ask me questions. Oh, look at that puppa. Look at this. Oh, did you see that? And in my head, I'm like, don't talk. Don't talk. Don't talk. Keep walking. Keep walking. Keep walking. And then the little guy's like, mama, puppa's crying. And she tells him, it's like, I know. And, and, and what she had posted is it was me being eight years old. And of all the cool movie things I've got to do and Hollywood things I've got to do and the world travel I've got to do and the way I forced Gump my way to sidelines of the NFL and, you know, Monday night football. And you go down the list. I've got to do nothing prepared me for seeing the Millennium Falcon. Not, not, in my wildest dreams, I never actually thought I would see the Falcon. You know, and it's it's Disney. So you don't see it right away. You you walk through, you know, that part of the park where for the last 10 minutes, you know, you're on another planet. You are transported away, you know, from everything like the trash barrels and you go down the list for all of Disney's faults with how they treat employees. And you go down the history of Walt Disney being a sympathizer. Uh, they do this right. And, Joe, I literally couldn't. Couldn't couldn't stop like the whole time like we're we're in the queue and we walked right on. Having said that, it makes you walk from where the ride starts to get on is at least a third of a mile. So 
you know, and the idea is they, they make these long, you got to weave through the thing so you feel like you're moving, you know, type thing when there's crowds. And it was one of two times on the trip where I walked right onto a ride and I didn't want to. I was happy being immersed and everything going on around it and stuff like that. And you kind of have to know the canon because one of the people, like animatronic that explains what you're doing. So you get on the Falcon and you got to go on a mission to steal coaxial, like, you know, the fuel that you wouldn't know about unless you saw Solo, the Solo movie. You know, it's, it's, uh, you have to shoot, you know, shoot a train to make the, you know, to make it fall to the ground so you can steal like that liquid fuel. So you have to know the solo movie, but the guy explaining it to you, the animatronic, he's the pirate guy from um, the Clone Wars TV series, you know, so you kind of have to be immersed in in, in the whole canon. Uh, But you do, then you get on the Millennium Falcon and you can, you have, there's six people who fly it. There's two pilots, two gunners, and you're in the cockpit and two engineers. And depending on what station you do, you know, if the two pilots, one pilot controls going up and down and one left and right. And the two gunners control different parts of the gun. So you have to work as a team. And it's a game. It's literally a video game. And those motion rides usually make me sick. But the first time I did it, it's like, so I'm, I'm piloting. And when you get to pull down the level to jump to hyperspace, honestly, if, if a meteor had hit, I, I, I couldn't go out happier. Like, literally, I will not go out happier. Um, well, I have a, one uh, question. One know, question. I want to interrupt you. Just one question. Please answer this yeah. for me and for the rest of these Star Wars fans out there. Is it what hyperspace looks like? It's, it, exactly. <laughs> it's, they nailed it. They, 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 they nailed it. Um, but so we get off the ride and instantly get back in line. And by that point, it's 45 minutes. And it's fine. So you did the biggest ride twice in 45 minutes. You're the one. So, and then we left and did the rest of the park. And it was one of those things where we got there in the park when it opened. We were there 14 hours. Both, you know, both Renetsky and management set their, um, their, what do you call it? To clock the steps that they take. Pedometer. You know, the step counter. See how far. We walked, um, Renetsky's was 12.7 and management was 12.4. So somewhere in between that, it was a 12 mile day. We get back to the hotel and truly walked in the door, got in the bed and it was midnight and we're back up at 5.30 after walking 12 miles and we did Hell Adventure the next day, uh, which was great. The Guardians of the Galaxy, they repurposed the old Tower of Terror and we walked right on the ride. It was perfect, but again, the pre-show thing, you walk through the collector's museum, but where we walked right on the ride, you didn't get to sit there and gawk at everything. Um, and it's fun. You know, we did it a couple times. It's it's the cast that is it, so they must have pre-shot everything. But yeah, so the highlights for me were Star Wars. And we hit five theme parks on the way here, two days at Disney, two days at Six Flags, a day at Universal, and nothing will come nothing will come close you know it was seeing the millennium falcon joe was every everything i could have imagined in 10 times more and i'm really so, i was so happy to see the pictures on facebook that your better half uh, put up because before you left uh, we talked about oh you're going to go to 
Disney uh, or Star Wars land when you go to Disney. It's like, well, you know, because it just opened. And it's like, well, you know, um, it's probably going to be lots of crowds. We may not even hit it this year. And then, you know, next thing I know, what you know, you guys are down there. And I see on the update, yeah, we're first in line. We went on Millennium Falcon twice. You know, Jacques cried. That kind of thing. So... It made me very happy to see that you, you know, basically you found your nirvana. This is your Valhalla, your your heaven. This is uh, this was it. I mean, I don't know what mine would be. I think we joked that, you know, I, or I joked to you that mine would be when Nintendo World comes to Universal. That might be my version of what you experienced at uh, Disney uh, Star Wars. But, uh, I mean, I got to see the Ghostbusters house, but that's a real place. The Millennium Falcon... You know, not only did you get to see the outside of the Millennium Falcon, but you got to pilot the Millennium Falcon. And right. and I believe I'm pretty sure you got cocky on there at one point. <laughs> you you um you did see the Simpson ride, but Universal did not have Springfield there like fully. They had a quickie mart when you saw it, but it was not what it is now. I think you might be more back to taken the away. By. I would have been more back to the future and that's where I missed it. Like I oh. our, our friend Steve uh visited he's a big Back to the Future fan as you know and he got to go and experience the Back to the Future ride I think a couple of years before they repurposed it as uh, for the Simpsons but I missed my uh, my window of opportunity I I think it what it was up for like what 15 20 years 15 years or something like that yeah. uh, Back to the Future the ride luckily I guess I got to see the video of it when they released it on DVD but it doesn't compare um so yeah I kind of missed that I mean you know but we'll see. Well, back, it's fine. Well, the Back to the Future ride. I mean, the ride was great, and when you're in the queue, but it and once you when you're in the queue, they have all this fun Back to the Future stuff it had, and then when you get in the building in the pre-show thing, you're kind of swept up away in it. But now Springfield is. You are in Springfield. It's it's a whole city block of everything from the police station to the power station. I didn't send you the video last night, but you can. You, you know, you can see Homer's office. I mean, it's even changed since we've been there a few years ago. So I won't go, we, you know, I'll do a driving to and from stories for a sideshow, which I, I think would be fun. I'll probably tell you all the stories before. And then I'll go ride by ride because the boys did. We did a couple rides real quickly at Six Flags. There's a ride where a crane, you're suspended. Like you're you're literally, the me and the two boys are in like, sort of sleeping bags with harness on them and this crane swings you way back and you go we went about they clocked it like 84 miles an hour like wow. and you're headed straight to the ground and then you swing like a pendulum back and forth i did it with my brother and another friend 21 22 years ago and i swore i would never ever ever do it the boys begged uh you had to pay separate to do it 40 bucks and it's one of those things, once you're up there, the scariest thing is you have to pull a ripcord to start it. There's no mechanical thing for them to release it. And if we had to pull the cord, if I'm the one who had to pull the cord, we'd still be there now. <laughs> and, I, and I don't mean I don't mean from last week with the boys. I mean, 21 years ago, my brother and the other guy and I would still be up. So our, my oldest one pulled the cord. And you do. You're headed straight. It's it's like parachuting. Like there's a woman who went on before us with her son, and, and she's like, she's a parachuter. She hasn't done it in a few years. She's like, he can't do it to his 18. This is as close as you can get. And that ground comes up 
fucking fast. So we get off and the guy notices the stamps on the hand. You can buy to go on, it's 40 bucks. But if you're a season pass member, you can do it, you can do it a second time for free. And they're like, do you want to do it a second time? And the boys are like, yep. And I looked at the guy and like, do I have to do it? He's like, nope. I'm like, boys, I love you. Not enough to do this the second time. <laughs> so they did it. So just them did it. And I'll, I'll, I'll send you the video or I'll post it maybe on the Twitter. Dude, they, I mean, the balls on those kids. And then I take the oldest one to ride a different ride because the little guy, he's almost, he's 49 inches. And most rides are at Six Flags 52 inches. So he's not, can't do them yet. But if you want to look this up, Joe, mm -hmm. what he can do, you know what the carnivals, those rides that like just drop, bring you up on a chair and just drop it. There's like maybe, it's called the Lex Luthor, Joe. It's 40 stories. If, it, if the connection isn't working, I'll say it again. <laughs> it's 40 stories. And it brings you up and drops you. Um, let's see, doing the math. 40 stories. <laughs> and... So and, and, and Renetsky is like, oh, we're going to go do this ride. And he sees that he's tall enough to do it. And she lets him do it. I himself. you know. And I'm like, she sends me these pictures. And I'm like, you know, management is like, I can't believe you let him do it. And I'm like, I did it. But when his brother found out he did it and wanted to do it, I did let them do it again. So so they are all good. So the only other thing I'll talk about with theme parks is the visceral reaction that I had at at, uh, at Star Wars Land. Oh, the last thing about Star Wars Land is we didn't do all the sightseeing. It's like, okay, we were in the Land of Falcon. None of the other rides are open yet. There's two more rides that will be open over the, the next six months. So we did that. It's like, okay, let's get back to the park. You do all the rides before the crowd, and then you go sightseeing. Leave the park show. We were out of the park, and I say, hey, let's walk through and take pictures of the Falcon at night, and let's go by that bazaar they have, which um, BRM, Joe, BRM. Which means? Big rookie mistake. <laughs> Big rookie mistake. Because as you did see the pictures on management's Facebook, uh, the little guy saw a real Jedi outfit. And by real Jedi outfit, I mean – Real expensive. <laughs> you like to keep it real. And he he looks so great in it. He looks so great in it. And management is like, well, it's it's crazy expensive. What do you think? And I just turned and walked away because I'm not going to give an objective opinion. <laughs> you have to recuse yourself from the decision on buying a Jedi outfit for your young son. And not one of these Jedi outfits you get at Target during Halloween. You know what I mean? I mean, the material is really thick. It's great. And and you know my kid. He will wear the fuck out of this thing. You know? It, he better. It, it like costs a lot of money. 200 bucks. Well worth it. So the, other, the last theme park thing I will tell you is management had the same reaction to walking into Hogsworth as I did. To the Millennium Falcon. Oh, she got to see Harry Potter she, World at she, Universal. Dude, it's, and that's the thing. It's like the Six Flags across the country, there's nothing like the Six Flags out here. It's like they, they, we're snobs. We are snobs. We've been to theme parks around the world. We are snobs. I get it. 
But the Six Flags out here can't compare to Universal or to Disney, but it's a thousand times better than any other Six Flags. But it does have a couple great things. But you, Universal has really stepped up its game because the season passes have gone up. I mean, Universal is manageable. It's a couple hundred bucks for a year pass where Disney, it's about a thousand now. And you get, but you get your, you don't feel cheated. I mean, as crazy as those money is, you don't feel cheated. And what they have done with Harry Potter, they have a nighttime show where I don't know how they project things in the sky without a backdrop. I mean, it was mesmerizing, but management lost it walking through Hogsworth. And again, we got there early, so she got right on that Harry Potter ride. And as soon as you got off the ride, she was on the ride. It opened at 9. She was on the ride at 9.05. At 9.15 when she got off, it was over an hour away. You know? But then you, you walk through, and it's all there. The candy shop is there. The wand shop is there. And it's immersive, and the characters are great. So it was great to see that she had the same reaction being a Harry, per- Harry Potter you know, aficionado. Um, you know... You know how I know she read the books before she saw the movie, Joe? <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, well, that's great. I'm glad you guys oh. have ha- had a ton of fun so far, and you will be having tons of fun in the coming week or so. You're there for another two weeks? I'm here for another week of work. So management leaves. Management left yesterday. I am at a meeting right now. So, yeah, so I'm staying through the through Thursday of this week, and then it's going to take about eight days to get back. Um, the boys had never been to Canada, and they still really haven't. We went to Niagara Falls, so just right over the border, and we're going to have lunch in Mexico on the way to Austin. So the plan is to go to Austin, see see our friend John Hunt, formerly of Beyond Id, pre Dan Cray and Beyond Id when it was just just Beyond Id. Uh, singer guitarist of the band Five Hit, we play a lot. Then going to go to Waco to see Chip and Joanna from Fixer Upper on uh, HGTV. Like that, they're anyways. Yeah, I know who. Yeah, um, you know my eight, my nine, nine year old loves them, loves them. It, it's like I could take him to the Hall of Fame. Any hockey, basketball, football, no interest. Taking <laughs> to Chip and Joanna's bed and breakfast in Waco, Texas, and you know it's his Star Wars. I failed. You're not going to take him to the David Koresh bed and breakfast in Waco? See, that's Waco to me. Like, like that's Waco to (laughs) me. That's my Waco. (laughs) So, so, and then we're going to take, I'll I'll talk a little bit about the trip. We're going to go through Georgia. I'm actually getting involved in the state politics of Georgia. I'm serious. We're going to hit like five, six flags. Going to hit five or six, six flags on the way back. So it's going to take like eight days to drive back. But anyway, so the trip's been good. The last thing I was going to talk about the trip, of course, is Friday night. And it's everything I hoped, you know, and the guys, you, 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 it's funny because within the first 10 or 15 minutes, everybody's like, is somebody streaming the podcast? Where's Joe? I heard where's Joe more than the phrase where's Waldo has been said collectively by the universe. That You know what? Now, um, now I, I, I kind of get, I'm sorry, I just want to interrupt that. I listened uh, recently to the Conan Needs a Friend podcast with Andy Richter, and they brought up the fact that, you know, years into their show, they couldn't walk down the street alone without somebody coming up to them and saying, where's Andy or where's Conan? So now I get that you're actually getting that same thing with with our throngs of fans. I butchered a joke last Friday night, and I think it was All-Star Tommy who's like, 
don't worry, Joe will fix it in post. <laughs> More work for me. Ha ha. Anyway, well, that's nice. So I'm, it was I'm, great. I'm, I'm you glad know, that everybody I mean, enjoyed me not being there. I, they did not. They they would swap out you for me gladly. <laughs> and, and really, the way I play, not much of a difference. You can't skate, correct? No, I cannot. Okay. Like I said, you could switch us out. We'd be interchangeable at this point in my hockey ability. Um, you know, I will I will say this, and I'm going to tell this story real quick, as quick as I can. It was great seeing everybody. Scotty Black was supposed to bring me a stick my first Friday night, but after the earthquake decided, he texted saying, hey, I'm sorry, I'm not going to make it. The boys are a little freaked out, which instantly – made me call him a pussy. I said pussy, and I don't know if he know I was calling him a pussy or his kid. Either way, I'm fine with it. Scotty Black is from Canada. His wife is from Japan. So I get to the locker room, and I bring it up instantly. Which side of his kid's lineage were causing him to stay home? The Japanese side or the Canadian side? And I said to Biff, I'm like, well, Another guy who's there whose wife's – uh, a, a guy, Rick, his wife's parents are both Japanese immigrants. So his mother-in-law and father-in-law were both from Japan, uh, both in internment camps in the war. Fun fact. Uh, but anyways, he was there. So I'm like, well, his kids are here, so it can't really be the Japanese side. But his kids are quarter Japanese, where Scotty Black kids are – have Japanese. So maybe there's a Japanese side, which let me turn to Biff and say, this is why you lost the war. <laughs> um, and then I'm like, well, it can't be the Canadian side, because when you think of men from Canada, you think of tough fortitude, you know what I mean? Resiliency. And then you realize those are the ones that stayed, right. <laughs> you know, the pussies. <laughs> so Scotty Black shows up the second week and he brings a stick for me to borrow. And you, so in hockey, there's an old saying, forecheck, backcheck, paycheck. There's, it, you know, it's like, it's like being a lineman in football. There's not a lot of glory in forechecking and backchecking. But, but, you know, the good players, the well-rounded players, the reason like Patrice Bergeron is considered a god is he can completely dominate a game without scoring a point with his forechecking and backchecking. But most people don't want to do it because it's a lot of work for a little payoff. But, and, and, and you kind of have to do it as a team. And about halfway through the game, I, you know, the one thing I was doing well is forechecking, not so much the back checking, you know, but the forechecking, you know, the offensive stuff to keep the puck in the offensive zone. And I said to Taylor and a couple of all-star was on my team. I was playing against Scott Black. I say, you know what? Forechecking is like putting migrant children in cages. All it really takes is the will to do it. It's not hard. It's just the will to do it. I mean, putting the kids in the cages physically is the easy part. You just have to want to do it. Um, and the look that you have right now is the reaction that I got. I enjoyed that. So one of my shifts, I went over and I told Scotty Black. I was forechecking him pretty well. And I'm like, yeah, forechecking, you know, it's not hard. You just have to want to do it. And I said, you know, like putting migrant children in cages. And so every time the rest of the night I was forechecking him, I just kept yelling at him. I have the will to do it. And then uh, I told him, it's like at one point, it's like, I'm going to test out the theory. Your kids might wind up in uh, in dog crates tomorrow at Piff's party because, you know, I have the will to do it. So 
Scotty Black, Canadian, very polite, quiet, really great guy, nicely brings me a stick like he did in Phoenix. I think I told you the stick story in Phoenix where I conned his own kid into throwing his stick down the hall, thinking it was mine. It was anyways. So about 10 minutes left in the game, I look to Taylor and I say, do you think Scotty Black is going to realize that I'm the kind of guy that borrows a stick from him and intentionally leaves it on the other side of the rink on the bench after the game when we get into the locker room? And John gave him too much credit and said, oh, he'll remember. I almost forgot. Game's over. I truly skate. I'm almost off the ice and I realize, oh, yeah, I got to bring the stick all the way back and put it on the far side of the rink back on the bench. And there was a couple guys there, and people forget their extra sticks sometimes, so the last guy on the bench will bring the extra sticks you know, with them. And I'm like, leave this stick here. So not only do I do that, not only do I wait for Scotty to take the skates off, but to shower and to be ready to go. And then I say, Scotty, 10 minutes left in the game, I asked John if you would remember that I'm that much of a dick that I would borrow your stick and intentionally leave it out on the bench. And he just puts his head down. And I'm like, you tried to kick the ball again, didn't you, Charlie Brown? <laughs> and then it dawns on me, Joe, who was it who pulled the ball away from Charlie Brown? Lucy. And then who did Charlie Brown go to for therapy? <laughs> It's a profit deal. Seriously, did that woman not fuck him up so many different ways? She so physically tormented him in sports and then charged him, charged him a good nickel to to spout his problems. And I so, think I think now she's the uh, head of the RNC. So, you know, it kind of worked out. <laughs> I thought she was over at the NRA. It's hard to tell. Are they the same thing? Uh, yeah, 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 you're right. Um, Lucy is so Dana Lesh. She, um, so anyway, so, and then in the parking lot afterwards, I'm talking to Scotty Black about it. And I'm like, you know, when I do these things and I tell these stories about how I do this to you, Scotty, nobody puts their hand up to high five me. <laughs> nobody says, oh, Jacques, that was a good one. You're awesome. People just look at me and think, you're a dick. Yeah, that's just in the line in Star Wars. So, you know, we're already at like the 50-something minute mark. So I, I, in the interest of time, I would like to just really hit like the skip forward button to either a defunct sponsor or maybe touch on one news item or one thing. But like let's maybe not have the awful this week because okay. the awful will be there. And you know what? This isn't about the awful. It's about the awesome. Yeah, the, the only thing is the Paul Ryan with the book, and it's like, fuck you. Just, you know, Whatever, just I don't even know, I don't now know what you that have is. A, who gives a shit? Okay, former, former Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, who never stopped to Trump and always apologized. And the funniest tweet I saw, at least his book will have a spine. And that, that was the funniest thing I saw about that. But we will go to the defunct sponsor because I can't remember. I didn't want you. What was the voice that I just realized the other day that you can do? You were talking, and I'm like, you got to do... Was it Don Knotts? I think it was Don Knotts, right? I think so. So we'll save that for something juicy. Uh, but yeah, you know, we need cash to pay for me to get home. And I got to take a piss. So here's a defunct sponsor of the week. 
Go Paragon Park, Nantasket Beach. Now open daily, filled with new rides and attractions. Plus excitement on the longest, highest, fastest, thrill-a-minute roller coaster in New England, where bargain days are Monday through Saturday. Ride all day from noon to 5 or 6 to closing for one price. Bring the family to Paragon Park, Nantasket Beach, only 18 miles from Boston. Bay State Line boats leave every day from Long Wharf. Buses from Quincy Square break away to Paragon Park. Free admission, free discount coupons at all participating Stop and Shop Bradley's or McDonald's. So in sport, Joe, did you watch the women's soccer team uh, defend and be, I think, only the second you know, World Cup champion in men's or women's to win back-to-back World Cups? I did not watch it. I followed, you know, the news reports online. Um, I'm happy for the U.S. national women's soccer team, and um, and I'm glad that they're getting the uh, the pay that they deserve. Apparently, it's great, you know, and it's funny because of the strife with with, with you know Megan, uh, you know, one of the team captains, and, she, and she's great. She's she's, I mean, she's 34. And it's funny, um, her, her girlfriend, you know, plays in the WNBA and wrote a really funny op-ed about her and the whole situation which was going on, which is absolutely great. But just focusing on the sport thing. Well, the good thing about the politics is is management wanted to watch the game. Like, she was dialed in. She, You know, I wonder how many more people watched it because they were either, you know, it's weird to think – like you would have Republicans rooting against her or rooting against Team USA, um, but more people watched it, and it was great. It was a great game. It was wonderful. She scored the first goal, you know, the go-ahead goal. They ended up winning two to nothing, but so she technically got the cup-winning goal. It's great when you have. I mean, it's one thing when you have somebody, you know, when Colin Kaepernick was speaking out, dude, you're a backup quarterback. You know what I mean? You're, you're, you're you know. But to have the best player, the one who you know got the trophy, I think it's the golden boot for not the best one in the game, but in, in the whole tournament and stuff like that. She was a high scorer. It was a great game. It was fun. And, and it's true. It's like, you know, I get the whole men's soccer brings in more money uh, worldwide, but not in the U.S. I don't think more people watch, you know, well, I can tell you the women's US soccer team, more people watch them in the finals than all the U.S. men's teams collectively in the U.S. finals because they've never made it to the finals. And here there's only been eight women World Cups. And Team USA has won four, three second-place finishes, and one third-place finish. So the worst they've ever done is bronze once. Gold, 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 silver, 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 gold. So, I mean, bronze. So it was great. It was fun. I blacked out the ticker tape parade. I'm glad that they're getting the kudos that they should. And the other thing is when they're entering the political sphere, they're all well-spoken. You know, I mean, these aren't the – Yeah, I mean, how how many athletes do we know? Like, we love Rob Gronkowski, but I don't want him speaking, you know. Yeah, let alone on politics. You don't want him speaking, period. I mean, uh, I'm glad that he got that Tide Pod commercial, but, you know. Uh, so they they it, paid him in Tide Pods, so you know, that I, was I, a bad thing. <laughs> which, he, which he then had to be told not to eat. Right, they were delicious, was the tweet. Uh, are you playing any games? Well, let's move right on to video. Where are you in the video sphere? I'm guessing the last three weeks you've played a shitload of games. 
Um, what have I been playing? Mostly, mostly retro. Uh, I think I, yeah, I played Ghouls and Ghosts, which is um, an arcade game for the Sega Genesis. What else? Um, pretty boring stuff. I, you know, before I went to see Far From Home, I did revisit the new game plus file on my Marvel Spider-Man for PS4. I haven't played or downloaded or bought the DLC package that came out like six months ago. Um, but it's like 25 bucks. I think it cost me 25 bucks for the three of us to go to see the Spider-Man movie at a matinee at the theater down the street from us. So I probably will not buy the DLC for 25 bucks. But, you know, it's mostly boring, 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 boring um, retro stuff that I've been playing. A lot of swearing at the TV. I have a mental problem. I, when I play these old games, I know going into them that they're going to be frustrating and then when I do badly on them, immediately I just start swearing. And um, it's mostly at myself for wasting my life. But um, I don't know. It's like one of those comfortable feelings. Like I'm so used to that feeling of getting so angry at the game that, I, but I still want to finish it. I, I still want that sort of sense of accomplishment, even though there is no accomplishment. And therein lies the folly, Jacques. So, um, I mean, that, I think that's the extent of my video game playing for the week. I trust that since you are traveling, you obviously aren't playing video games yourself, right? I have not. So the funny thing is, before leaving, we talked about the big meltdown that my oldest one has, who, who seriously has a video game problem we kind of have to seriously start addressing. But leaving and packing the car, if you, if you want to get out of pen and follow along at home, his mom bought him a brand new Kindle and he has his iPad. There's an old phone that has different games than an old iPhone phone, like a way back in the day, an iPhone 6. Um, he has, so the Switch, the Kindle, oh, the Switch. So he has a Switch, the new Kindle, brand new out of the package Kindle, the iPad, and a phone. And now driving, you know, he can't turn on the screens. You know, we're sometimes in the car for 10 hours a day. It's got to be two hours of no screen and just talking and looking out the window and stuff. But before they can turn it on, they got to read and write in their journals. So they have to do some of that stuff. But yeah, I'm fine them playing games. But there was a meltdown. I wasn't going to let him bring his PS4. And I kept saying, we're not staying anywhere. Like when we stayed at a hotel, like when we got to Niagara Falls, we got there at like eight at night, checked in, walked around for three, four hours, checked out all this cool stuff. And then we got to the hotel, went to sleep. Got up seven hours later, packed the car, walked around for a couple more hours, and then drove. There was no time to plug it in. I will say, and management posted this while at those immersive games where a cop in this town, it's, you know, things happen that the boys like. There's maybe 10 people, 12 people in the room that can hold 40, and you do a practice round first, and then it shows a picture of the best score in the room, and it was me. And I'm like, you're all going to die, bitches. My boys thought that that was hilarious. And then when the actual game started and you got control of the gun and the chair starts moving because and I scream out, Leroy Jenkins. There was about four or five people in the room who got the reference. And uh, yeah, I killed it. I absolutely killed it. Uh, and, my, you know, and so they put the picture up like the high score and it's me. I took a screen, I took a picture of it and management posted it and said, see, all those years of playing Resident Evil haven't been wasted. So that's a little validation right there. Good. I'm glad that you got some real life validation 
out of your real life time wasting efforts. <laughs> so we make our way to California, Joe, stopping off at four parks, Niagara Falls, Roswell. We get to Renetsky's house. She has a PS4. Oh. <laughs> and instantly I get the, see, Papa, we should have brought the games. So we, we have so little downtime. I mean, honestly, it's been go, go, go. Like I said, Sunday we went to stayed at Disney. Monday, Tuesday, walked over 12 miles each day. Wednesday had a bunch of – oh, Saturday we went to the beach. We're in the water at 7.30 beach day. Sunday we go down to Anaheim. Thursday – there's no time. But I did bring it and there is a GameStop. Literally you can't get from Renetsky's house to the highway without going by two GameStop. So before management got here, I'm like – because I know – the week coming up, they're going to be here and they're going to get to play games because they have meeting. Okay, we can one game each. You go in there. He got a Switch game. And then I see a couple on the new release, but older games, like two new uh, Resident Evil games. So there was three Resident Evil games. So I took screen grabs and I text them to Carnival Personnel's resident senior resident evil expert you know chris berrigan and i said which one do i get and he broke it down this one does this and this is what's good about this game and this is what's good about this game i like this more than both of them so i took his advice i got it both because nice. <laughs> you know? it was uh it was a buy one get one free type thing so i bought two of those i got the telltale batman game that i haven't Obviously got, but I haven't got to play these games yet, and I won't till I get back. But uh, so yes, so driving cross country, all the theme parks, all the crazy stuff along the way, and I think the highlight was that Renette had a PS4. So I guess we'll move on to TV. What are you watching? Probably nothing. Absolutely, literally the only thing I've watched on TV since leaving, you know, Boston three weeks ago is uh, is the World Cup final. You know, I set an alarm, too, so I would know where it was going on, and we watched that, and, and truly, that's it. And then, again, the only movie that, you know, I've done is uh, is that. So what have you watched? The the latest thing that I finally watched on Amazon Prime that I haven't seen made available in many years, but I've wanted to see, was a documentary called I Know That Voice. It's directed by John DiMaggio, who does the voice of Bender from Futurama and a bunch of other cartoon voices. And it's a 2013 documentary about the voiceover acting world, the voice acting world. And it has like dozens of voice actors all being interviewed, giving their experiences on the voice industry. It was made before Gary Owens died. Do you know who Gary Owens is? Yep. Yep. Live from beautiful downtown Burbank from Laughing. That guy, he's interviewed. But uh, it's, it's pretty fascinating. If you like cartoons or just like, those types of that, that that voice acting world you know kevin conroy's in it mark hamill's in it but it's interesting i would say check that out if you have amazon prime um the other thing i watched on hbo it's a recent documentary that came out about uh to bring the show down a little bit about michelle carter the uh the girl who was convicted of involuntary manslaughter in massachusetts a couple of years ago for coercing her boyfriend via text to commit suicide oh right right wow there's a documentary on that already that that seems pretty fresh pretty raw yeah it um, uh, the, the crime occurred well the, the suicide occurred in 2014 july 2014 and then the trial was i believe 2017 
and it was a trial by judge, and uh, she waived the right to a trial by jury. Um, and um, it was it's pretty fascinating because the unique nature of the of the so-called crime, where you have their entire conversation is documented, like their entire relationship essentially was based on via text, like they met via through mutual friends um, in um, you know Massachusetts. They were from separate towns, and they really only had a relationship romantically, if you want to call it that, by text. So it really gets into the psyche of Michelle Carter, like the world she grew up in, which, you know, she, I mean, she grew up in, they both grew up in, you know, pretty uh, average white suburban towns, but, uh, and families, but Michelle's world seemed to be more detached. Like her, her view on reality was a little, a lot more skewed. And I think they, they both, they get into like the, the, the mental problems that both of them had both conrad roy the, the the boy who committed suicide and michelle carter and um just it, it's it's fascinating it's not it's not as black and white she wasn't she was painted out she was painted by the media to be this sort of conniving cold-hearted black widow bitch who wanted attention for herself by you know having a boyfriend commit suicide and then her being the what was me girlfriend on you know on Facebook to um, bring more attention to herself, but it's it's a little it's a little deeper than that, uh, and it's not as black and white as you know might you might think looking from the outside. So <clears throat> they don't really answer every question about like oh this is what her motivation was and this is what was really behind it, but it really does sort of like make you think about how the me- again we always fall into the trap of like don't believe everything that you read don't you know the media. Yes, there are good parts to journalism, but then there's also the sensational part of journalism, especially in uh, high-profile court cases where things can get skewed and um, perceptions can be changed based on coverage. And that certainly was the case with this trial. You know, they even interviewed people around town asking, like, what their opinion was before the verdict was uh, given you know, who, do you think she's guilty? Do you think she should go to jail? And a lot of the consensus was, yeah, you know, she was cold-blooded or heartless, and how could she do such a thing? When really, she didn't technically do anything, you know? And it just, it also opens up a can of worms legally, like, now, if you bully somebody online and they commit suicide, are you now culpable for that? Are you now, you know, could you possibly be charged with a crime? And, um, you know, it this sort of sets a, pre- a weird precedent but yeah, that's fascinating. It's a two-part documentary on HBO. You'll never see it. But uh, anybody with HBO, check it out. It's called I Love You, Now Die. Does anybody have HBO? Not everybody canceled it after Game of Thrones was off. I thought that that's... I didn't know they were still around. Uh, I know. I'm, I'm a sucker, aren't you? Um, so, so, so you got a parenting tip of the week there, Joseph? Don't have kids. <laughs> <laughs> My parenting tip of the week. Uh, we should have three parenting tips because we've been off for three weeks. Um, my parenting tip would be take your kids to as many Six Flags as possible. If you have the means, <laughs> take advantage of the you know, time the while you thing, have it. The, 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 the crazy thing about that is it doesn't cost anything. The Six Flags, because we have the season pass at the one in Agawam, it works at all of them. 
I mean, that's the reason, like, you and I didn't go to all the Six Flags on our cross-country trip because we had, would have had to pay. And when I say nothing, I mean, the passes cover parking in the park. So by the time I get back there, we will have seen between eight and ten Six Flags, and we'll have spent zero dollars going in and zero dollars on parking. And we got these cups that we bought last year that are refillable, like, you know, soda and, and lemonade and stuff. So the biggest part, the biggest cost of getting into the park you know, um, parking and then food and stuff like that. So literally we're getting at that. The cheapest part of the trip <laughs> is actually going into the parks for us. You know, that's how they get you. Um, What's so, your parenting tip? But, along the lines of Six Flags, I think my parenting tip is after the first time you do that giant ride where you're strapped with your kids and these sleeping bags suspended by a crane 30 stories up and drop them. Uh, and then you decide you're not going on a second time, but you're okay with them. Make sure you, they know, you, you know, you, you tell them you love them. You might, you might not get that chance again. So, you know, take the time before putting them on a death defying ride that you yourself swore you would never do again. And I swear it again. And uh, maybe I'll buckle and do it when I'm 71, 21 years from now. But, you know, just, just before they do something like the Lech Luthor where it drops in 40 stories, you know, tell them you love them because you just might not get that chance again. And that and that's it. So uh, so I don't know when we'll record next, maybe, because I have no idea. You know, next Friday I'll probably be driving. But, you know, we'll see. But we'll, maybe we'll do another one before I get back because um, I was going to tell you about going through Georgia and working for that political campaign, maybe, um, but we'll see. Because I, I know, I know you just sit in the basement waiting for me to Skype in. I, I know that. It took and, us a whole look, podcast length like, to figure out the Skype before we actually started skyping. So, <laughs> no, I'm not looking forward to another um, Skype uh, podcast. I do like spacing out. Well, spacing out in general, but spacing out our podcasts like this in the summertime because, you know, it sort of gives us an air of like, oh, they have a schedule or, oh, they have lives outside of their podcasting world. You know, um, shows go on hiatuses for the summer. Um, why should ours be any different? Uh, my last question to you is how much chips and queso dip have you eaten since I've left? <laughs> I actually bought, uh, I did buy uh, some chips and queso dip last week to eat by myself for dinner twice. Uh, <laughs> it's a, a, a brand of salsa con queso chichis. Um, they, they're okay. Um, I, I don't know. They're, they're, it was the milder variety. But um, I don't know. It's, it's a toss-up between chichis and Tostitos brand. Uh, salsa con queso dips. Well, I was kind of hoping that, you know, with our with our break apart, it would like, you know, maybe help with the diabetes a little bit by me not coming over there with, like, you know, scent and a sack full of goodies. Oh, trust me. Um, I've made up for you not being here with candy by stopping at a Wendy's every day or every other day to pick up a small chocolate frosty because uh, Fatty needs his icy cream. <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, I'm about to get a this just in thing. So the producer, the producer in the in the control room is 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 sending me a note. Let's see. Hot off the press. Cheech. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to say this out loud. This this came this came straight from uh, 
straight from our senior core, uh, Korean language correspondent, Chi-Chi means boobs in Korean. hey <laughs> Just, you know, I was I was just handed this note. This just in from the control room. You know, I, I say we just in now. Just just in now, you know, maybe play the Star Wars theme on the way out to, like, you know, mem- memorialize my crying, <laughs> like a little schoolgirl you know, seeing the I Falcon. W- but let's end on the fact that Chi-Chi means boobs in Korean. That actually explains why the jar had a nipple on it. <laughs> And um, yeah, so okay, well, well, thanks for listening to the Carnival Personnel podcast. You can follow us online. You just go and try and find it. I ain't gonna give you the actual handle for the Instagram and the Facebook and the Twitter. You you can go fuck yourself if you think I'm gonna give you that much information because that's how they get you. Um, but um, you know, in a couple of weeks, I think we'll probably next broadcast or podcast, if you will, live. From our basement, like the uh, like the old days, because these connections kind of suck, and I'm gonna have to do a lot of editing out of uh, dead air space between uh, the delay, and I don't want to have to do that twice in one summer because I got a lot of swearing at the retro games that I play. So, anyways, um, Jacques, enjoy the rest of your trip. Have a safe trip back. Um, thank you for teaching me Korean boobs, and. Um, <laughs> And then, oh, oh, what was I going to ask you to do or tell you to do? I forgot. Oh, don't forget.